everybody. My name is Pastor Lindsay, along with my husband, Jeremy. We just, we get to pastor and lead this great church. And what a great Sunday already. Hasn't it been fantastic? And so I'm so glad that you're here today. If you're joining us for the very first time, welcome. We feel so honored to have you with us today. And I gotta give a shout out to our online audience. We love you guys. We always say we are a church with two campuses. We have an online campus and we have an in-person campus here at Buffalo. And we are just so grateful for you. So can we make some noise for our online audience this morning? We love you all. We love you all. Now, I have a special treat just for you today. See, on August 15th, we're launching a new series called Sitcom because families are not as they appear on TV. In fact, they take a lot of work, but if you know us at Avenue, you know that we put a fun twist on everything. So I would like for you to have a sneak preview to Sitcom. It's a rare condition this day and age to read any good news on the newspaper page and love and tradition of the grand design some people say it's even harder to find well then there must be some magic clue inside these gentle walls cause all I see is a tower of dreams real love bursting out of every scene to TJIF in the late 80s and early 90s, you're welcome. We just aged you. <laughs> and so, so good, so good. Well, we are in the, our series on earth as it is in heaven as we're coming closer and closer to the end. I want to share with you this. You know, you've heard it multiple times throughout the last nine, ten weeks that the kingdom of God is a different standard, right? It's a different measurement. In fact, I want you to see this, that the kingdom of God is defined as the rule of God. And let's continue with this. The rule of God is the act of God to set things right and to help people and the world work as he intended. I want you to think about what would it be like if my life was as, as close to the original intended purpose that God has for me? What would my life look like? What would Lindsay look like? What would you look like if we were living as closely to the intended purposes in our lives as possible? Can you imagine it? Well, let me give you a little idea of what it would look like. It would look like this. That love in the midst of indifference, we would see this. We would see joy in the midst of sorrow, peace in the midst of chaos, patience in the midst of friend, frenzy. What does it look like for me to live as close to my intended purpose? This, 
It looks like kindness in the midst of cruelty, goodness in the midst of selfishness, faithfulness in the midst of carelessness, gentleness. Hear me, that's not a feminine word. That is a God, Holy Spirit word. Gentleness in the midst of hardness. And last but definitely not least, it looks like self-control in the midst of a world spiraling out of control. And you may be sitting here today and you feel like everything around you is spiraling out of control. But if I am living the kingdom life, if I am living as close to the intended purpose that God has for me, then I can have self-control in the midst of a world that I cannot control. Can I get a good amen? Come on. See, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like when a person removes themselves from their own throne and puts God on the rightful place in their heart. This is what it looks like when someone, their heart, their mind, their soul, their strength, all of it is for the glory of God. It's a person whose life is being moved by the kingdom of God. And see, there are differentiations. There's really distinctions that separate the person who is living the kingdom of God in and through their life and someone who is not. And so I wanna show you that Jesus actually brings up one of these characteristics that sets us apart and it's in Matthew chapter six. It says, so do not worry about these things. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to his followers. He's talking to anybody who has an ear, come on, to hear. And he says, do not worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. I want you to see that word dominate. He's saying, do not worry about these needs because worry dominates the thoughts of unbelievers. See, dominate means this, to rule, to rule over, to govern, to control. I think it's very interesting that over the last few weeks, we've been talking about, okay, God, I'm getting off every little throne in my life. I'm not just giving off the big throne of my heart. I'm going to get off every little throne that I've been sitting on. That's your spot. And I'm moving over. But here, we see that the, the word worry dominates and rules and governs and controls over the thoughts of unbelievers. And Jesus is saying, for the believer, this should not be so. For the person who Jesus is their savior, who lives in their world, it should not be so. See, their heart for the unbeliever, their heart, their mind, their life, it's governed not by love, not by the grace of Jesus, not by the provision of our heavenly father, but by the world. And in this particular instance, the thoughts are ruled by worry. But as believers in the kingdom of God, living the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, this is not a distinction of our life. In fact, it should be quite the contrary in our life. So, so why not, right, kick worry off the throne? Why should we kick worry off the throne? And it's here. Because your heavenly father already knows all your needs. So Jesus gives you this command. It's not a suggestion. Anytime there's red in the Bible, y'all, we need to listen up, right? We need to open our eyes, open our hearts, open our ears. Because he's saying, you don't have to worry about these things. Your thoughts do not have to be ruled or governed by worry of what is going to happen because your heavenly father already knows all your needs. He knows what you need. He knows what your desires are. He knows everything. See, you're a child of God. And I loved how you closed that worship, Pastor Jeremy, because you gave us such a reminder of who I am in Christ. 
That I am not some kid sitting on the sidelines waiting for somebody to call me into a game hoping that you say my name. No, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. My name is sealed in heaven in Jesus' name. And I am a child of God. I am his masterpiece, his workmanship. And so guess what? I am set apart, not because I'm better, but because I gave him the throne of my life. And I got off it. And I'm just waiting for my friends and my family that don't know him, come on, to move off the throne and let him take his rightful place. And so I love this. Do you know what worry does to a person? And if you're worried, you're like, duh, of course I know, Lindsay. Living this hot mess right now. And I feel you, I've lived the hot mess of worry. But there's actually ill effects of worry. So Jesus isn't just telling you not to worry because he wants you to have peace, and he does. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to see him as his provider. But he's warning you because worry does nothing good for you. And I want to show you this real quickly. There are ill effects of worry. Number one, it damages your health. When I am dominated, I'm not hearing like, oh, I'm a little bit concerned. Worry is not a little bit concerned. Worry is this is all I think about. Worry is all-consuming. That is what I'm talking about. And do you know when that all-consuming, dominating, governing Worry moves to stress. Do you know what that does to your body? See, our bodies are magnificently made. And that God gave us the ability to fight, right? To run away, to fight. Put your, put your, put your fists up, you know, it's, it's game on. Take your earrings off, get busy, or freeze, right? But the problem is, is that fight or flight are amazing. They are ways to defend you. They are ways to protect you. But here's the problem. When you are consumed by worry, your body gets stuck in fight or flight daily. And what is only supposed to be used in a crisis ends up becoming your day after day after day, week after week, month after month, and if we're not careful, year after year. And when your body is stuck in fight or flight, you are constantly tense. And instead of escaping something, now you find yourself being stuck. Do you know what worry can do for damaging your health? It can cause dizziness, difficulty swallowing, an increased rapid breathing, shortness of breath, fatigue, headaches. I lived that from worry. Migraines here because my muscles were so tense and the nerve behind my neck was just crunched down with worry. Muscle aches, fast heartbeat. Worry damages your health, and this should not be for the believer. Not only that, but it disrupts your productivity. Well, what do you mean? It takes your focus away. I want you to take an honest assessment of your life right now, just in your seat. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I just want you to think. Has it been hard for you to get stuff done lately? Have you felt kind of frozen or maybe not motivated to do things? Could I ask you, are you worried? Because hear me, if you have concern, like, I'm I'm concerned. Well, concern moves you to action. Worry immobilizes you. Worry freezes you. It paralyzes you. So if you find yourself not being very productive lately, I would ask you, are we being consumed, governed by worry? Because Jesus says, I have more for you. What else? It negatively affects the way we treat others. (sighs) We're seeing this a lot lately, huh? I can tell you, you're not being mean just to be mean. (laughs) It's not like because you just woke up and said, I'm going to be a jerk today. No, worry, worry makes us treat others poorly. Why? Because we're grasping for control. Because we are feeling like we no longer have control 
that I don't have a say in what's happening around me. I no longer feel safe. So I am going to reach out and use my words and use my, my power or my authority or my resources. And I'm going to try to control everyone and everything around me. And I'm mean. I've lost that kindness, that gentleness. I'm mean. So if, if you've been frustrated lately, you've been real upset with how, what others are doing in this season, and hear me, there's all kinds of reasons that you can think of right now to be upset. But if this is dominating your conversations, it's dominating your headspace, your heart space, I would ask you, do you have a problem with worry? Has it become consuming? And last but not least is this. In Romans 12, 18, it says, if it is possible, hear me, this is about being mean to each other. If it is possible, and, and Paul's just being nice. He's like, guys, come on, really, it's possible. <laughs> if it's possible, as much as it is up to you, meaning the ball's in your court, meaning you are in charge of your life. You are in charge of your mouth. You're in charge, I'm in charge of my thoughts, when I'm coming out of my heart, my mouth. Please be at peace with all men. This is old school, so everybody, okay? Men, women, children, your neighbor, your boss, doesn't matter. If you can, in your own decision, keep peace. But the last thing that worry does is it reduces your ability to trust God. It really does. Because we're trying to move into the driver's seat. We're getting all consumed with everything that's going around us. And our worry is stressing us out. And when I'm stressed out and I am so consumed with worry, I'm not asking, Lord, do your will. I'm submitting to it. I'm chilling out and resting in peace. No, I'm trying to take the reins. And see, with excessive worrying, your mind and your body go into overdrive. And you start focusing on what might happen. Maybe you're feeling that tension right now with some changes in our country, some changes in our county. What might happen? And see, Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about because this was a repeat pattern for his people. And I love Jesus because Jesus is like, guys, enough is enough. We don't have to keep repeating this bad process. See, in fact, if you go back all the way to the, the beginning of God's chosen people, the children of Israel, they were worried. They were so worried. If you know their story, they had been enslaved for 430 years. That's a long time. That's, that's your babies growing up in slavery. That's your grandbabies, your great-grandbabies. That's generations of families growing up in harsh, harsh conditions with absolutely no freedom. And the Lord heard the cries of his people and he sends Moses, right, to set them free. And we know this story. Many of us learned it in childhood. But here's the deal. As they're journeying, journeying on to freedom, the enemy decides to pursue them. So you've got Pharaoh and hundreds of chariots coming behind them. And then you have the Red Sea in front of them. And you've got just under two million people in between. We're talking men, women, babies, grandmas, grandpas, widows, everybody, less than two million people, are in between the enemy who's pursuing and between an obstacle, the Red Sea. What would you do, right? That's, the, that's a perfect place to say, perfect plot, cue worry, come on and worry. What's gonna happen? Am I gonna die here? Are we gonna make it to this promised land? Because see, all the children of Israel had was what Moses said to them. They had no written word. They had no manifestation of God speaking to them. They had an old man with a, uh, what is that called? A staff. Coming and speaking some words that God spoke to him. And I was born a Hebrew, raised an Egyptian. I'm back to being Hebrew. Hello, would you please listen to my commands? This is all they had. It says, one of the signs, listen, one of the signs that I might be walking 
away from trust and moving into worry is I start asking all these what if questions. I don't think we have that scripture, guys. We have the scripture in Exodus. Here we do. Let's move forward. Okay, it says, I am the Lord. This is what they had. I am the Lord and I will free you from your oppression. And I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgments. This is what Moses said on behalf of God to the people. So all of these actions are God. I'm God. I'm going to free you. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to redeem you with my muscles, my powerful arm, and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you. I just need you to know that I'm God. Isn't that incredible? I'm going to free you. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to take care of your oppressors. I just need you to know that I'm God. That was his only command. So as they're going into this journey to freedom, friends, that's all they got. You and I have an entire Bible. You and I have more red ink than these little four lines. We have so many words of Jesus. We have the gathering of the church that comes together. We have small groups and Bible studies and resources. Our encouragement is literally a click away, a tap away. This is all they had. So of course, all this worry is starting to flood into them. He tells them, I'm going to bring you into the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. They knew they were going to freedom. They had no idea what it looked like. You promised this land. What, what does that even look like? See, many of us are familiar with this story because as they're journeying to freedom, the Red Sea parts right in front of them right? The, God takes care of the enemy. The, the enemy drowns in the water. The, the Hebrews are able to walk safely onto dry ground. Perfect plot. Two million people saved. It's an amazing, amazing thing that they're able to cross this uncrossable body of water. But again, this might be a sign if you're struggling with worry, are you asking too many what-if questions? Because they were struggling with what-if questions. For the Israelites, these questions look like, what if the Egyptians catch us? What if we can't get away? What if we never make it to freedom? What if, what if, what if? Maybe we're asking what if questions right now. What if I lose my job? Just got it back. What if I lose it? What if I don't get to finish school? What if there's really something serious wrong with my body? What if I never marry? What if my kids get into trouble? And all the parents say, amen, I pray for everyone. I don't get it, right? What if we get a divorce? What if we lose all that we've worked so hard for? What if, what if, what if? And so all the Israelites were thinking, in fact, they got to cross over the Red Sea, but now they're in the middle of this journey and they're starting to get a little hangry, friends. Not just hungry, they're getting hangry. And they're struggling. And this is what the Lord says to him. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. That's all the Israelites had to do. Know that I'm God and I need you just to stay calm. I'm gonna fight for you. See, can you imagine the reaction? I I think about, was someone going to punch Moses when Moses said, I just need y'all to stay calm? I think about if if everyone is coming with their worries and their screams and their cries, you gotta admit, it's almost two million voices, right? And here's this one man that says, but my God is going to fight for you, and I just need you all to be calm. Can you imagine, like, I want to punch him, right? Has anyone ever tried to cool you off and you are not ready to be cooled off and you just want to haul off and slap them? Or maybe it's not soothing them at all. 
But see, what I imagine when Moses stood up and said, I need you guys to be calm. The Lord himself is going to fight for you. I imagine an eerie silence just going out across the people. Because they're going to come into alignment with what God is about to do. And God was about to part the Red Sea. And so that's what I believe for. That when God gives a command, there's this silence that goes with it because it's our acceptance of that truth. And in that moment, we have a decision to make. Am I going to worry and walk away from trusting in God? Or am I going to lean into him and say, you're going to fight my battles. I just need to stay calm. So how do we do this? How do I do this and stop the worry in my mind? Well, Jesus gave the answer. He said, don't worry about these things, right? What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These thoughts, they dominate unbelievers, but your heavenly father knows what you need. And he goes on to see, seek the kingdom of God above all else. That is our answer. How do I not ask the what if questions constantly? Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. Some of us have never been taken care of where we have only had to fight and survive for what we have. And God is saying, no, no, no. I'm gonna give you everything you need. But I need you to prioritize my kingdom. I need you to place me on the throne in your life. See, seeking the kingdom, it helps us to do something. It helps us to stop asking what if questions and start making even if declarations. So I stop saying, what if this falls apart? What if we go back to this? What if this happens? What if, what if, what if? That makes your heart race, friends. That makes you worry. So if I can seek the kingdom, it's going to help me to change those what ifs to even ifs. Hear me. Even if the doctor calls and says, there's something seriously wrong with my body, I trust the Lord. Even if this marriage is not working out, yet I will trust the Lord. Even if I lose my job, I am going to trust God. Even if I don't get married, I trust him anyway. Even if I can't have children, yet I will trust God. Even if I lose everything that I have worked so hard for my entire life, I will trust him still. Even if God answers my prayer with a no, I'm going to choose to trust him. Even if the answers to my prayers, oh my God, I'm living this, take years, yet I will trust you. Yet I will trust you. So when I seek the kingdom of God and and, and that righteousness to live righteously, I'm choosing to make a decision that I'm not going to live my life dominated by worry. I'm going to trust that he's got good plans for me. I'm going to trust that when hard times come and they will and there are storms, I'm going to trust that he's going to work it all out for good because he loves me and he's doing things behind the scenes for me. See, with the children of Israel, they make it across the Red Sea. And now again, like I said earlier, they're hangry. They've traveled. They've had the emotional trauma of almost being recaptured. They saw this magnificent uh, sea split in half. I mean, y'all, if you've ever seen Crisis, that's Crisis. (laughs) Like they are living a crazy movie, right? But now they're in the middle of this journey and they're hungry. They have no food, no resources, and they begin to complain. And as they're complaining, they begin to say things like, it was better in Egypt. Why did I come out here? to die free when I could have been living as a slave? Why am I starving out in the wilderness when I had all the meat and bread I ever wanted to? You know, as we're reading this, (laughs) we're reading these scriptures, right? If only the Lord had killed us back then. I had all these great things. 
If we were to look at their lives, we would say, friend, no, you didn't. Your life was not great. It was not consumed with overflowing meat in pots. You didn't get together by a fire late at night with your friends and think, I had a great day. How was your day? No. You lived in oppression for 430 years. There was nothing lovely about your lifestyle. But the problem is with our brains, we tend to think that the familiar is more attractive than freedom. Because freedom is filled with unknowns. Freedom is I can't picture it. The children of Israel just knew. All they knew was I'm going to let you have the land that I promised your ancestors. You're going to be free in it. You're going to own it. You're going to possess it. That's it. So in times when things get tough, it's easier to go back to the familiar. Why does the abused spouse go back to their abuser? Because in our brain, familiarity triggers comfort even if it's painful. Familiarity is a false sense of comfort. And freedom is filled with unknowns. Why does the child of an addict who swore they would never be addicted when they grew up, why do they struggle with addiction? Because it's easier to go back to the familiar where there's comfort than to journey into the unknown, there's freedom. See, if I am struggling with these things, I may have a worry problem. Why? Because worry craves comfort. Worry craves comfort. And God says, no, no, no. I, I don't want you just to be comfortable. I want you to be purposeful. I want you to be free. I want you to live in the strengths and the gifts and the promises that I've placed in your life. And I need you to take my hand, son. I need you to take my hand, daughter, and journey with me and trust me. Lean not on on your own understanding, but all your ways. I need you to acknowledge me, God, because I'm going to make your path straight. I need you to stop looking over this way or that way or, or focusing on the past because I have a future for you. You know, I, I wonder, what would it have been like for a child or a teenager or a young adult to be growing up in the wilderness when they were worrying. And hear me, we just remember the story of hearing them complaining. Well, that complaining was stemmed from worry. And so what would it be like to be that child of these parents hearing them talk with other people about this is going wrong and what if this happens and what if it what? Do you know what that does to somebody? And I try to think about, oh my gosh, did those generations grow up? And did they continue the awful pattern? of worry, complaining, control. Because you get to the story and the words of Joshua when they took the promised land. Joshua with a broken heart says, I'm the only one serving the Lord. It's just me, God. We've inherited this freedom and I'm the only one. It's for me and my house. We're serving you. Now I have a challenge, friends. I try to go back to what it would be like in the wilderness, what if instead of for 40 years of worry, what if they worshiped? What if that son or that daughter or that friend, what if they heard words of praise coming off of lips? What if they saw unshackled feet start to move? What if they watched someone saying, even if, even if I'm going to trust him, even if we're going to get there. What if generations were being raised up to believe the even ifs? What if they were raised up to know that worship was so much more powerful than worry? So I'm going to ask you to stand up on your feet.
because I believe God wants to do something special and that we have a choice to make this morning. And I want to give us an opportunity to respond, but not to respond the way that Lindsay wants us to respond, but the way that Christ wants us to respond as people who are seeking the kingdom and his righteousness. I want us to take a moment and we're going to worship together. And it's not going to be a slow song. It's going to have some movement to it. And what I want to do is I don't want to spend 40 more minutes worrying about things that I can't control. I don't want to spend 40 more months worrying about things that may or may not happen. But if I can just take 40 seconds of praise and worship and together as a group in this room, if we could just proclaim that God, even if I'm going to worship you, even if Lord, I'm going to trust you, even if God, I'm not moving, you are my firm foundation because hear me, Hear me, hear me. Freedom is the kingdom. And not only is freedom the kingdom, but worship kicks worry off the throne. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get our hands moving right now. Come on, clap with me. And we're going to start singing. And we're going to start praising. And we're going to tell worry that you don't have power over me anymore. And I'm going to worship and let God take his place on the seat and throne of my heart. So church, would you worship with us? Step out of the grave, break into the wild, and don't be afraid. Let's go. Run into wide open spaces, graces waiting for you. Dance like the weight has been lifted, graces. in 
the mighty name of Jesus. So today, Father, with every man and every woman in this room, we are making the conscious decision to choose you, to move out of the way and let you do what you want to do. So Father, we just say, continue to help us to step into freedom. I thank you that we are not alone, that you have given us your spirit to walk this life out. So Father, I pray that you would seal in us what you have done today. That worry, come on, is getting kicked off the throne. And I am choosing to worship. I am leaning into saying, even if, and no longer proclaiming, what if. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen.